Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217faith.church service, the church that fits your schedule. We are so happy to have you join us today. Today, we like to dive into the blessed statements that Jesus shares with us in the book of Matthew and see how they relate to what I'm calling the cornerstone of our Christian faith, meaning how we need to live our faith, right? So genuinely, our Christian service and everyday treatment of each other. So please stick around to learn more. We are so glad to have you at 217faith.church. We, we preach a godly biblical perspective. We try to put others first and live our Christian faith in action. We humbly greet you in the name of the Lord, and we hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved to put your Christian faith to work. After all, the scripture reminds us that faith without works is dead. We'd like to direct you to our ministry website, 217faith.church, where you may find previous services and other teachings to aid you in your Christian walk. Also there, you will find opportunities to put your faith into action. Please help us in supporting Global Christian Relief, uh, an organization dedicated to serving persecuted Christians around the world by bringing God's word to them. Please join us today in supporting this wonderful organization. Give directly on their website. We don't ask you for anything. Pray and see how God leads you to give them a gift. You can support this ministry later on, but right now we're talking specifically about this organization. As you visit our ministry website, 217faith.church, you will find their details on how to put your faith in action. And finally, remember that we have available for you resources to help you through your Christian experience. You can find them there on our website or anywhere, wherever books are sold. It is truly our prayer and desire that God will bless your life with the experience of these books, all for his honor and his glory. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from, as we mentioned, the book of Matthew. We're going to go to chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And we're reading Jesus' words as recorded by the Apostle Matthew. And the Word of God says, When he saw the crowd, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed, said Jesus, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure of hearts, for they will see God. In verse 9, Jesus continues and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed, he says, are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Last but not least, he says, you are blessed when they insult you in persecuting you and falsely when they say every kind of evil against you because of me, says the Lord. Be glad and rejoice because your reward in heaven is great. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. May God indeed add a blessing to the reading of his word today. For the last few weeks, we've been celebrating the events leading to Holy Week. If you remember, we started looking at the conditions of God for humanity. Then we dug into the consequences of our sin. And then Good Friday events, of course, culminating last week with the sunrise service where we experienced the much anticipated fulfillment of God's promise for humanity, which is to restore us. Indeed, from the beginning of Scripture, we have learned of His plan There has been to reinstate us. And through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, this is made possible. Jesus, you see, is the answer to all of our questions, the solution to all of our problems. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And all things, says the Scriptures, were created in Him and by Him. And because of His acts of love on the cross, you and I have an eternity that it is assured. All that is required is our surrender, our repentance from our disobedience, accepting that gift of salvation and eternity, and it's ours. Well, not so fast, right? There is a matter of how we are going to live our lives. Will we casually return to our sin or live a life of faithful action in the service of God as we seek to serve one another? You see, when Jesus came, we know from the scriptures that his people rejected him. The scriptures prophesied of his coming. The prophet Isaiah, about 700 years before the birth of Christ, proclaimed that the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Remember, he says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a verse we always talk about at Christmas. This is referring to the Messiah. But God also confirms this to one of the patriarchs, Abraham who was what we call a foreshadowing of Christ. In Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then God says, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. By the way, this word foreshadowing represents what is to come, right? Just to mention a few, you have Abraham, you have David, you have John, who were all representations of the characteristics of the coming Christ. The prophet Micah, who was a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah, speaks to us on this also when he says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephrathah, he says, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and ancient times. Isaiah, the prophet, once again, grants us the most recognizable prophecy of all. You recognize this one when he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, right? And crushed for our inequities. We just talked about this during, during Easter. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. The Jewish nations know, they know the scriptures. They knew this. The spiritual leaders were aware of the prophecies. And yet they rejected Jesus. It is how we can say politicians today blatantly reject the truth about sexuality, the truth about the sanctity of life, the truth about who God wants his people to be. So-called Catholic politicians, and what a joke, I hate that word, I really do. Surely they're sealing their own eternal fate. Therefore, how can we expect to receive Christ on his second coming if we're still having trouble denying his first one? Jesus shared a wonderful story about a vineyard owner who established a vineyard and he let some folks take care of his vineyard. He went away out of that country when he sent to get an account for his property. Those that had stewardship over it, they actually killed the messenger that he sent. Eventually he sent his son and they killed his son as well. This, of course, is a parable of what was to come and happen to Jesus, the son of God. We are, you see, but stewards of God's creation. Yet after damaging it in such a way, perhaps things that are in our control, out of our control, things that we hear all the time now, such as climate change, we think we can fix it without seeking God's help. By forcing people to do and buy expensive, expensive things, by so-called taxing the rich, while the rich, they are in power, continue their own wasteful living. You see, we rejected our master, the creator of the earth, and there will be consequences to be paid. Believe me, the lies of equity and equality, the mutilation of our children based on sexual sins, and the continued killing of the innocents is only adding more nails to the coffin of humanity in our efforts to reject the good plan of God and think we can fix things on our own. So Jesus is rejected in a similar way. He describes himself as the stone that the builders rejected, the cornerstone. Have you ever wondered what that meant? I looked it up a little bit. This is a construction term. You see, in, in, in a construction of an arch, the cornerstone is that center stone right at the top that holds the entire weight of the arch, which makes it possible for the structure to exist, for the structure to be solid. Jesus wants us to know that he is the one that holds everything together, not us. He is the stone that will unite humanity, bring peace, and restore us to our Father in heaven if we allow him to do his job. Sadly, we know from Scripture that eventually the outcome for humanity is going to be a less rosy one. I love science fiction, yet I, I don't believe that we'll ever get to travel to other worlds or populate them. I, I don't think we'll ever find any life outside of Earth when we disregard life right here on this rock. The human heart, you see, is selfish, and it, is, it refuses to put others first. Heaven will be different. Our future on Earth might be suffering and trouble. And if you don't believe me, just watch the news. We may be living comfortable in this country, but the rest of the world is falling apart. Watch the news about, you see all of these leftist, selfish people running things in the world today and how they're setting the whole thing on fire, all for the sake of, of helping others when all they're doing is helping themselves. 
Yet what can take hope in Christ? We can do that because we know that he has overcome. And because he has overcome, we can be more than conquerors. We can be more than victorious over our enemies, over our situations, as we faithfully follow God's will. Much like Christ followed his father's plan, even all the way to the cross. And so in our message for today, with the empty tomb and the blood-stained cross and the welcoming branches in the rearview mirror, we want to look forward into what Jesus prophesied, into what he said there was a requirement of those that would agree to follow him. You see, being a Christian is not just about attending church or giving your tithe or praying for repentance. Those are necessary actions. Yet being a Christian is about imitating Christ and living our lives as he did. This might shock you, but Jesus was not a Christian. In fact, the word Christian comes from those that imitated him. It says that later on, after Jesus had gone, after the church had been established, it says those that followed Jesus were then called Christians because they were imitators of the Christ. And so in our scripture for today, as we read in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us what a successful Christian, a successful follower of his will look like. Not success as the world sees it, but as God sees it, right? Which is the qualities that we must live out. Anything else will make us an imposter. And I believe Jesus produces this list based on his actions and his motivations, right? Therefore, my friends, if we follow it, we will be following the Christ way and truly earn the right to be called Christians or followers of Jesus. Why do I believe this is so? Because the word that he uses to introduce each statement is blessed. This is a word that carries a continuous, ongoing meaning. It is an adjective used to describe an emotion or a feeling that a person should have and produce once they participate in God's plan for salvation. And so these statements are indeed geared to those who believe. There is a sense of happiness found in being blessed. Not a, not a fleeting happiness that we may find here on earth, but truly an eternal blessing, a feeling of fulfillment and accomplishment. Again, not because of, of, of personal efforts, but truly because of our obedience towards God. A blessedness that, of course, really is a joy that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the faithful child of God. So why then does Jesus begin with the poor spirit? Well, this is really the human race, right? But only at the point where we recognize our need for God. A realization that when paired with the prevenient work of grace from God's Holy Spirit brings us to accept the gift of salvation. The proud usually don't seek God, yet the humble, the meek, we do. It is not bad to be poor in spirit. It is a wonderful place to start realizing that we must depend on God to guide us into righteousness and hope rather than merely relying on our own efforts and our own strengths. Let us take comfort in our need for God. After all, as we seek to draw near to God, He will draw near to us, eternally speaking. And we will, as Scripture says, inherit the kingdom. The next characteristic that Jesus mentions is a blessing for those who mourn. Now, this is not just uh, completely for those, let's say, in bereavement, but it is as a result, again, of realizing that we need God. 
When the Spirit brings us to the point of repentance, we mourn not for, for leaving our life of sin behind, but for having not done so sooner. A realization of how we had wasted our life in selfish pursuit and vanity. How do we need to better trust in God for all aspects of our life? Even a sorrow lasts for the night. The scripture says joy is promised in the morning. Our great comfort will bring us from sadness and regret into hopeful perseverance. Which brings us to the next characteristic that Jesus talks about. And he says, blessed are the meek. Now hear me. I didn't say weak, but meek. Meekness has been described by utilizing a horse's power. A power that is under control. A horse who's never seen one is gentle and meek but can sprint and maintain a desired pace as needed. A gentle animal surrounded by muscles that grants a great hidden power. Through the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, God has granted us a power under control. Unlike anything else, not a power to control others, but a power to accomplish God's will. In humility, yes, but ready to discharge for His hope and glory. It is a word that carries the idea of humility, but also self-control. Two things that the Holy Spirit of God alone can produce in the life of the child of God as a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus continues and he says uh, in his message of hope by bringing up those who are hunger and those that thirst for righteousness. This is not a physical hunger, but this is living God's way. Righteousness describes our morality, the, the act of living or seeking to live away from sin. I've mentioned before the word prevenient, which is the work of grace that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, which leads us to want to seek Jesus. When I came to Jesus, we often say, yet we did no such thing. We may have willingly accepted the nudging of the Holy Spirit. It was He all along who brought us to the point of salvation and provided salvation itself. Yet that grace is ongoing. And once we do come to Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit through the fruits that we mentioned that He's going to produce in us that we will be able to sustain an ongoing desire to seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness. And then God says the scriptures will take care of adding all other things that we may need. And as a result, we can then find great joy in seeking to be like Christ in our efforts to live Christ-like righteous lives. And so the following statement from Jesus is related to this because he says, blessed are those who are merciful. This again is the very thing that God has done through us, for us, I could say, through our Lord Jesus. God has shown the human race great mercy. Therefore, how dare we not do likewise for others? Mercy is truly an active life of compassion. Compassion is the ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes to feel their sorrow and their pain. Wait, where have I heard of that before? Right? Christ took our place and he died on our behalf. A horrible death on the cross so that we may have eternal life. The true follower of Jesus will be moved by mercy to act justly and caring towards others. All in the name of Jesus, which with the help of the Holy Spirit will bring those people to an understanding of God's plan, hence helping to set them on a path of righteousness. Governments don't do this. Politicians don't do this. God is the only one that can do this. And so the next Jesus tells us that those who are pure in heart will see God. 
See, he says, blessed are those with pure hearts. He says, what could this verse be about if not only regarding to God's holiness? Now, that's a big word that we use in church. This word describes a physical, but also a spiritual cleanliness. Part of the, the priestly rituals before they would approach the throne of God, including a cleansing exercise. The Apostle Paul reminds us as much of this in the book of Hebrews, where he directs believers to try all they can to, number one, live at peace with others, and number two, be holy. He says, for without it, no one can see God. What is that? Because God is holy and he cannot be where sin is. After all, sin is selfishness and God is selfless. Sin makes us dirty and pollutes our character and our actions and perception. But God, through the blood of his son, seeks to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, to wash us away of our sin. It's the only way to do it, by the way. There's no other way but through Christ. Consequently, when we come to live repentant lives, lives of spiritual action and service, lives that reflect the characteristics of Jesus in our daily lives, we will be drawing near to God in a pure way. Now beware, for as long as you retain sinful thoughts and actions in your life, as long as you knowing knowing that, that your neighbor has something against you and you do nothing about it, there is sin of omission that will affect your long-term relationship with God. So instead, confess those things and live purely and resist the temptation to hold on to your own will. Surrender it to God and know Him better in all of your affairs. You see, combined with what the Apostle Paul calls us to do, this matches what Jesus teaches next, which is proclaiming a blessing on those who are peacemakers. He says, for they will be called the children of God. It is true that upon his second coming, Jesus will not come in peace, but he will come to defeat the powers of evil and sin forever. Yet, that's not now. That's what's coming. Right now, we are to imitate the first coming of Christ, not the second. He came in peace. He came to mend relationships, to forgive sins, and to bring hope for a better future. His faithfully comes to show us the way out of sin into purity and in righteousness. And how do we respond? Rejected him. But we still got time to turn that around. These should be the efforts of every believer. Remember, in the prophecies that we found, that we spoke about in the book of Isaiah, Jesus is also called the Prince of Peace. He wants you and me to live in peace with one another. Now, this does not mean that we are going to tolerate sin or accept the selfish ambitions of others or sit back while evil people continue to corrupt our children and the sanctity that God places on life. No. It does mean that we must try in God to set those evil things out of place, move them by, in His name, and we must tell others instead about God's hope and grace and mercy and peace, all so that Jesus can grant us that eternal peace. Yes, Jesus is not one uh, for the offer. Uh, the last offer of Jesus is uh, speaking of blessings. He says He describes this last characteristic. He says for the true follower. That is, he or, or the person that lives as described, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted, meaning attacked by evil men for living their lives as he has outlined. Sadly, persecution will come, but it will hold, will we hold our ground and walk the line set for us? Will we be victorious in, in our inheritance? Will it be heaven itself? 
Yes, our call is to imitate Christ. But as they did to him, we will be criticized, verbally abused, lies will be told about us, evil men will seek to destroy our lives and efforts, and they may very well succeed. Yet they do this because of Christ. They believe that by attacking his children that they can somehow, the enemy of this world can somehow attack our Lord. You see, the world hates us because we love God. Yet God is faithful and he loves us because when we act obediently and not in defiance towards his plan, he grants us victory. And so Jesus ends by saying, if you hold on, if you live in these ways that I have proclaimed to you. And by the way, he has sent his Holy Spirit to help us to do just that. You don't have to do it on your own. He says that our reward will be great. God takes care of his faithful children. So do not fear persecution or the attacks of evil men. They, they of course, did the same to the prophets. They did worse to Jesus our Lord. Be exceedingly glad in your time of trouble, for it will produce hope and perseverance to keep, keep help you keep faithful in your following the examples of Jesus. But what does this all mean then? Friends, we cannot live our Christian lives from, from Christmas to Easter and nothing in between. Christmas tells us the promised child who would cleanse us of our sin. Easter shows us that it actually took place. And so now we must go and tell others why. Therefore, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we must develop, begin to develop these characteristics in our lives to hold our Christian faith strong so that we may be that cornerstone of the church, so that we may have the strength to hold others up, so that we can uh, treat others in, in loving and personal ways in, in a ministerial sense. Are you ready then to serve, to grow, and to be what God intend for you to be? Then live out these blessed statements of Jesus as we go daily and tell others of God's goodness, mercy, and grace. That was the commandment given to the women. Remember at the grave on the day of resurrection? To go and tell. It's the same commandment that was given to the disciples in the church uh, on the day of ascension. To go and make disciples to teach others. To tell about the hope. If we do this as well, we will be doing the will of God. If we don't, then we will be disobeying him. There's only two sides to it. And that's not what God requires of us. Not disobedience, but obedience. Father, help us to do your will. Help us to take courage in your actions and, and, and as you work on our behalf so that we can go and share your message of hope and grace with others. Grant us the opportunity to tell our friends, our families about our be your beautiful uh, plan of redemption, about our wonderful relationship with you. You say that heaven is our reward when we live as you call us to do, yet to do so, or actually in this case, to not do so will be to bring a curse upon ourselves, just as the scriptures say, the curse of death and eternal separation from you. Nothing indeed can separate us from your love except our intentional actions. We resolve in our hearts today to follow your ways, to imitate those characteristics, to truly live a blessed life as we go and we serve the needs of the world as we go and seek to heal and help those who are in need.
May it be so, Father. And may we do so for your honor and glory. For we pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are so grateful to have you join us in this time, in this service. And we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith in God into action. And so please visit our ministry website at 217faith.church or as you watch us here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever it is, uh, please help us to spread the word by liking and sharing, clicking and sending it to others, clicking those notifications. As we mentioned earlier, if you want to support our ministry efforts, uh, you can access us there on our Patreon account and, and we'll be happy, of course, to add a link uh, to this message below to the description. So we thank you for your support and your partnership. God's calling humbles us to preach his message of hope, of love and invitation. And so we need your help to join us so that together we can reach more who surely need God's welcoming word of grace today. What a joy that would be. And so until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his face to you and grant you peace. Until next time. Go in the full assurance that God loves you very much. He is faithful and loving, and God grants us his plan was to grant us his son so that we could be like him, so that he can set that roadmap for us, so that we can faithfully walk as he faithfully leads us. Be honest, be humble, and as we humble ourselves before him, live a life worthy of the label of Christian, a follower of Christ. May God indeed bless us today.